0: Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim bankers and I'm joined today by Zach Shank. He is the athletic director at Eagles View Academy in Jacksonville, Florida. He's also a podcaster. The Winning Way podcast is his. Zach, thanks so much for joining me. I'm I'm really interested in this one just from your perspectives of working in, in private schools and overseeing a variety of different sports. But uh, just if you wouldn't mind, tell us how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, Thanks for having me on. Um, you and I connected a little while back ago. Had you on as a guest, and and here we are, kind of returning the favor. So I, I I do greatly appreciate that. But um, how I got started and and plugged into the the world of high school athletics um, was 2014. Um, I had I'd finished up uh, my uh, playing career in 2012, but needed to finish up some credits and some courses and. And uh, so my uh, my coach talked to me about hiring me on as an assistant uh, at the college that I was at here in Jacksonville. And and uh, Coach Jones really uh, took me under his wing. And uh, but I knew that there was something a little bit more outside of the realm of that. And and then I wanted to kind of transition to high school um, sports. And so what ended up happening is I started to put my degree to work, which is an education and sports administration degree and and um, got a teaching job. And the school that I landed uh, did not have uh, athletics and uh, basically handed me the keys to the kingdom and said, hey, uh, we want an athletic department, go for it. I'm 24 years old. I've never done this before, never been an AD, never was even an assistant AD. I've simply just been an assistant basketball coach. And um, so I started it out. And uh, one of the key things was hiring good people around me and um, hired an assistant, Kyron Williams. And uh, he uh, started plugging away and, and we got we got going. And, and in the three years that we were there at uh, at Cornerstone, we established uh, volleyball, boys and girls basketball, and then the following year, so our second year, we had eight-man tackle football, which is big here in the state of Florida. And um, so we, we accomplished some pretty good things there in that first year, and then um, made the move to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, where I was an AD for five years at News Christian Academy, and uh, had some, um, some positive things there and some success in, in Raleigh. And uh, my wife and I decided to make the move back to Jacksonville, Florida, where we got family and things like that. We've got a, a two-year-old daughter, so we want to get her back around grandparents and and family and friends and things like that. And so here we are and uh, made the transition over to Eagles View Academy uh, here on the west side of Jacksonville and started in June and been, been trucking away since. And just a reminder, if you're watching live, you can
0: ask questions of Zach. Just put it in your chat box and, and we'll get it to him. You said – you had some success in North Carolina and then you moved. Well, how do you define
1: success as an athletic director? Ooh, well, um, you know, the major thing is is it's not what I can do, right? It's it's who and who I can bring in to coach those sports because I'm not coaching every sport. And I, I wouldn't be in this business if I had to coach every sport, right? And I, don't, I think a lot of them would, would agree with that. Um, but it's all about who you bring in. Do they match up with the culture that you were trying to uh, put out there. Do they match up with the vision and the mission statement of first and foremost the school, the athletic department, and so on? And so that's a big thing is success in in my eyes as an AD. And some ADs may you know say otherwise, but it's finding and hiring the people who are willing to continue your mission, the athletic department, the school's mission, and then also incorporate that culture. Uh, into their team they're the ones that are dealing with the athletes on a daily basis they're the ones dealing with the parents on a on a daily to, to weekly basis with games and practices are they taking the culture um, and that idea that you have brought them into to, to cultivate and are are they pushing it out there and so you know being able to Get plugged in in Raleigh. It was difficult at first because I didn't know anybody. I did I wasn't involved in in club sports. I didn't know anybody who's coaching. I didn't know anybody there. So I really had to get out there and 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 hit the streets, if you will, uh, and find some good coaches. And, and was able to lock in some some new hires, but also lock in some previous coaches that were there under the the previous AD. And uh, they really helped, um, kind of help with that level of success. So in my eyes, that's what I would deem success, not in the teams that I coach, not in those things, but bringing in those coaches to be able to continue the, the culture and the vision of the department.
0: I've, I've been around Florida. We were talking about this before the show. I've been around Florida a lot this this fall. And one of the things I I hear across Florida is the struggle to find, to recruit and retain quality coaches. Yeah. What is your experience working in a private school that might have a different structure that might have different incentives. How do you recruit and retain coaches that, that are excellent and want to stay there?
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of 50, 50 in a sense, right? Like we don't always have uh, the resources that say a public school has. Um, but at the same time, sometimes we have more resources than certain public schools do. And uh, that's a big thing that we have have seen where we can provide more opportunities Uh, for uh, our coaches and our teams to maybe go to team camps during the summer to um, do different things like that, that maybe they wouldn't have the access to do at a a public school um, and things like that. The other side of it, and and it it can be, again, a pro and a con 50 50 here is uh, stipends, right? You know, we we've got to figure out, you know, Hey, how can we make it work within our budget? We're not given a budget by the County. We're not given a budget by the, the the district, whatever you want to say what we, what goes out has to come in. So it's basically a zero, zero type thing. And um, if the school, and I've been at all types of schools where the stipends are factored into to overall payroll and it doesn't hit the athletic department, but then I've been at schools where, hey, what you want to pay your coaches is on you and it's going to come out of your athletic budget. So it has to, it almost kind of creates this level of fundraising slash grinding a little bit more to, to bring in some revenue um, and so sometimes that helps, and then also there's times where it doesn't help retain these coaches. Uh, also, another thing, you know, and and I don't mean it, you know, in, in any rude way or whatever, but but sometimes our our players and our parents are are, are a different um, culture, and it and it helps parent it helps coaches stay in a world where coaches are just getting bombarded by parents and players over the stupidest and smallest things, playing time and. And, uh, you know, you, you, you yelled at my player at, at the end of a practice or something. You know, these, these trivial things, it, it helps us retain because of the system that we're able to create here and, and really how easily accessible our coaches can be sometimes just to basically break down those walls and talk to the parents say, hey, here's what's really going on. And so that helps out a lot as well. And then also just support as a whole from from my office trickling down to my head coaches, to the assistant coaches and so on. You know, you talk with, with public school ADs and, and you talk to some people and, you know, they're like, hey, when I replaced my athletic director here at such such a public school, students didn't even know who the AD was. And so here at, at private school where you're smaller or, you know, you're more accessible, that to me has been a game changer, just being approachable, being accessible by parents, players, coaches, and so on. And I think that helps out with the process as well. Mm.
0: the you may not be able to tell me this, and if not, that's okay. But the, the average stipend for a coach in Florida right now is, on average, something about twenty five hundred dollars per sport. Is, you see it higher in in private schools. In certain
1: sports, it is higher. Um, you and know. On average. Say that again.
0: On average, what would you what would you say?
1: Um, like, like, so for instance, like we have middle school sports here because we've got sixth, seventh and eighth grade, we're a K through 12 school. So we've got sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And then we've got our ninth through 12th grade sports, our high school. So JV and varsity sports, typically our middle school, uh, coaches are somewhere between that 15 to 2,500 mark. And then it just kind of goes up from there.
0: Okay. We see coaches in Florida moving from Florida to Georgia to Alabama. And one of the big reasons is I can get more money for what I do. And let's, let's be honest, coaches across the country, especially in the school systems are vastly underpaid for the amount of hours that they spend working with kids and, and doing what they do. How do we, how do we change that? How do we, you know, looking from your top down approach, how do we change that to, to ensure that that coaches are being rewarded for the the time and effort and expertise that they're putting into their programs?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, to a certain extent, that's a difficult question. Um, Because sometimes, yeah, sometimes the level of support can be subjective and to different people, right. And, um, you know, simply, you know, a coach getting three new basketballs every year is great support to him, but then that could be terrible support to somebody else, right? And and obviously that's a, a maybe a terrible uh, analogy to use there, but I, I think it's you guys can get it. Um the biggest thing about retaining and, and keeping those coaches and, and getting that that support is just it, it comes from involvement. It comes from being involved. You know, with with my coaches, I always tell them, Hey, like I need your wants and I need your needs what do you need right now that if you didn't have it to start the season, your season, you could not complete and and compete within your season. And so they give me their needs and I do everything that I can to make sure that I, I get those needs within reason. Right. If you come to me and say, Hey, I need, you know, I need 10 new footballs. Well, you've got four brand new footballs that just rolled out at the beginning of August. Let's maybe meet in the middle and let's go six or seven. Right. And so, you have those, and 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 really just trying to get their needs in comparison to their wants. And so, what I try to do is every year is is get a want. If you've got a big want, or you've got a big ask that you want something that that can help your team and help your department overall, then let's work together to get that. And so, one thing here at, at EVA that that has been you know kind of a game changer with being new is just getting out here and and grinding with our coaches and saying, hey, what can we do to 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 get a better system than what we have. I'm not trying to change the wheel and or, or reinvent the wheel or change what we already have because, you know, the person that I replaced was here for 15 years. And it's a well-oiled machine, but there are things that we can do to tweak it to make it a little bit smoother. And, and that's the big thing. And, and keeping coaches is just giving them, I think sometimes, and, and referring back to a, a, a podcast that, that, On mine, uh, an episode that I had, somebody referred to an AD as being the fullback that's just clearing the way for our coaches. And that's my job, right? It's it's my job to do the dirty work so that our coaches can look good and can go out and win on Friday nights and, and throughout their season. I'm the one behind the scenes. I'm the one, you know, sweating. And that's great. Uh, and that's what they need to see so that they, that pressure is taken off of them. And I think where we're missing the the mark sometimes is that we're putting so much on our coaches to do the administrative side of things, um, along with the, the athletic side, the coaching and things like that.
0: Professional development is something that I've also heard about in, in my Florida trips. And it's not that coaches don't want to do it. It's that they either a don't have the time to do it or B don't have the financial resources to do it. And I've had coaches tell me your, your master's is well in Florida anyway, about 15 grand. And that's going to take a long time for me to pay off. Why would I go and do something like that? And the answer sometimes is that's a fair point. And I would be asking the same question if I was in your shoes, how do you support coaches to, to make sure that they are getting better rather than just the same old, same old every year while we know sports and people are changing constantly and knowledge
1: we should add. Yeah. I mean, professional development is key, not just in coaching, not just in education, but in, in any aspect of life and in any job that we do, we should always be getting better. And uh, one of the things that I always talk about is perfecting our craft. What do you do? Well, make sure that you're perfecting it. Be the best, whatever it is that you do that you can be. And, so one thing that I do when I meet with our coaches and, and, you know, we just recently had a, a, a winter coaches meeting. Hey, if there is a clinic that you want to go to and it is within reason, travel expenses and all that other stuff, I will take care of it. It's a, it's a necessary thing that we have to do within our department. It, it I am okay with, with paying for that, for those coaches, because I know that in the long run, it's going to pay off for the overall success of our department. Yeah. And so, that's the big thing with it. Now, if it's something that is, you know, astronomical or whatever, then, Hey, we're going to maybe sit down and we're going to talk about it. Maybe we'll meet in the middle and, and I'll cover half of it or, or I'll do this or that. Um, but it's always my goal to provide resources and basically, you know, finances for our coaches to have professional development. Now I'm not paying, unfortunately I'm not paying for a master's program, oh. but at the, at the same time, um, you know, we, we could, you know, work out some things for clinics and, uh, meetings and stuff like that, that they want to go off and, and, and learn more about their sport. Well, that's timing as well done, Zach, cause June 2nd and 3rd, we're planning
0: on having a clinic here at FSU. So we expect participation from, uh, from your group and, and our plan hopefully is to, to make it free. So if coaches can cover their, their travel, maybe a night at a hotel, yeah. um, our goal is to to make sure that they don't have to spend money out of their pocket to, to be in in education
1: absolutely Question in the
0: chat box maybe somebody you know I'm guessing (laughs) Uh, how do you work work your marketing at your school um how do you ask head coaches of each sport to help it's a good question because a lot of times coaches just think they're supposed to coach but really they now have to be they have to be heads of a department and they have to promote their department raise money for their department and so on how do you do it at your school
1: Uh, well, the major thing is partnering with them. Um, you know, we, we need the information from the coaches because I can't be at every single game and, uh, we have to make sure that we're, we're getting that info. So actually in our coaches manual, that every coach that we go through and and review with our coaches, um, there's a, an area in there that basically says, Hey, we need to, um, you need to send a little blurb if you will, over to, uh, the athletic office at the end of your night that basically gives us an update of, Uh, what the final was. Uh, Win or lose, obviously, we can tell that if there's a a major highlight that occurred. um, And if there was either somebody maybe snagged a picture or got a video of some sort, uh, send that over. And um, within our department, we use uh, a platform called Gipper. um, And uh, that is how we put our our social media graphics out there. Um, And we uniform our our social media platforms, So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, they're all there. and, And I could get going in that. But We'll, we'll save the hassle of the breakdown of social media and marketing aspects of it. But uh, it's very important to our athletic department um, because it's how people uh, get the news and information. We put a weekly schedule out there at the beginning of the week. And that's how a lot of parents know, you know, or are or, or, or reaffirmed what's going on outside of what their coaches are telling. Oh, oh hey, yeah, my daughter's got a game day, but there's also this going on. Hey, look let's go check it out. So what we've seen is it, it cultivates again, you know, these two words, cultivating our culture here at EVA, um, to get support from everybody with every other sport as well.
0: I, I wouldn't mind actually going into the weeds a little bit because coaches do need to know how to market their programs and athletic directors as well. Where, where are you seeing the the interest in your activities? What social media platform have you found any strategies that are more effective than others that, that really engage followers?
1: Yeah. Um, so so you have to look at the breakdown of it like this. Right. Facebook. And, and let's look at our three major ones. We're not we don't do TikTok. We don't do Snapchat and like none of that stuff. We do your three major platforms. Um, and. And and here's how it usually works. Right. By the time you learn one of those major platforms, somebody comes out with something new and then you're you're constantly always learning. So we just had to be like, hey, look, here's what we're going to do. So Facebook, you can think of it this way. Right. It's parents, grandparents, older, you know, demographics where it's maybe 35 and above. Well, that's more of an informational standpoint. Hey, we put the information out there. We know we're covering parents and grandparents, Twitter. It's more of an athletic-based platform, um, and I forget the statistic, and I, I don't want to misquote it, but um, a couple of months ago, I want to say they said Twitter was the highest high school sport used platform. It came to coaches and different things like that, and that's huge. So we put that out there, so you know other schools and things like that, we can we can kind of communicate and coaches, whether it's on their recruiting trails or, or whatever they're doing, they can go there and they can find it and see it. And then lastly, Instagram, uh, that is more so for our student body. Um, that's kind of that demographic that we cover, you know, your, your middle and, and high school age kids, that's, we're putting that there for their benefit so that they can promote themselves, promote their classmates. And one of the big things that we've seen and, and not just here at EVA, but, but even at, uh, in, when I was in Raleigh at News Christian, when we started and we organized our social media platforms in a one, you know, unified thing, um, we started to see the non-athletes sharing their friends who were athletes out on social media and what it did is it created this this culture within the student body that it's sep- it didn't separate student athletes from non-student athletes it was all one and so you've got the guy who's in charge of chess club sharing out the the top basketball play of the night last night and so we really saw that connect and uh, and that was a solid you know uh, win for us within our department and we're seeing that here at EVA as well
0: think think now of being an athletic director as a whole what are some of the challenges or maybe the biggest challenges that you find that you faced or or do face in your role as AD
1: um i mean honestly parents right like that is and and, and that's a that's a challenge i don't want to say it's probably the the worst or the hardest challenge um but it's a challenge Um, And then also like communication with on that level as well is, you know, sometimes it it, you have a coach who doesn't do great communicating. And so you're constantly and and who is asking those questions? Parents. Right. So it kind of always reverts back to that. Uh, But I don't I don't mean that necessarily in a negative way. But we live in a, a immediate success culture where they want. And they want it now. Right. And so um, playing time and, and things like that, that that has always been from a year to year standpoint, something that we've always had to kind of deal with. And and the way that we operate is, hey, you know, we tell them straight up front that this is not the YMCA. Uh, if you want to play and you want to get a, a participation trophy, then I will give you the number to the YMCA director and, and you can go on down. We're here to put the best team on the field, on the court. To win and to be successful, and to put Eagles View Academy athletics out there within the city and within the state of Florida.
0: All right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to be back in a minute. I got some more, a couple more questions for you, Zach, before we close it out. But uh, just want to introduce FSU Coach to
1: everybody. Absolutely.
0: The mission of FSU Coach is to prepare and equip the next generation of coaches and sports professionals with best practices and current research to enable them to pursue excellence. We have two academic programs, the online graduate certificate, which is four classes, and also a 10-class master's in athletic coaching. Our graduate certificate and master's program can be started at any time, either the, the summer, fall, or spring. All of our classes have the word coach or coaching in them and they're taught by coaches for coaches. The types of classes that we offer focus on the athlete as a whole person. We focus on the theory and practice, the research, the helping skills, uh, even some of the mental performance behind you know, what it goes into being an athlete. I came to FSU Coach because I truly believed in the mission and the purpose of the program. I think I have my dream job being a head coach at Florida State but I know there's always more ways that I can help my athletes and better prepare as a coach. So I thought joining this master's program would help me um, learn different ways to uh, attack my job. If you're interested in going into coaching or joining the FSU coach program, I would just say, don't even think about it and do it. All right, we're back in. Uh, I'm joined with Zach Shank. He's an athletic director at a private Christian school in Jacksonville. Zach, I want to ask you about that. Given that you are at a private school, um, how do you how do you balance that that kind of ideology of of winning, as you were just talking about, versus enjoyment of sport, participation, camaraderie, uh, respect for opponents, et cetera? Where 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 is that line?
1: yeah i mean you know obviously we hold our students and and coaches and student athletes you know to to a standard that that matches what we have here and so uh at at eva within our our student manual and our, our regular school student manual against our athlete student manual as well or our athletic manual if you will uh and basically what we've done is is we take the mission statement of our school we take the the idea of what we want our students to accomplish while they're here at EVA, and we incorporate it into our athletics. Um, there is a, a line there, right? Like, we do care about the levels of sportsmanship. We care about um, making sure that that we're learning as we go along. There's so many life lessons that can be learned in athletics, right? Right team building, working together with somebody. Hey, I may not like this person, but I got to sit by him every day in an office. Oh, well, you got to get over it. And what are you going to do? Quit your job? Like, so we have to, we're teaching these life lessons that maybe they won't get um, you know, if they were somewhere else. And I'm not saying that they, they wouldn't if they were at another school or whatever, but we take that approach and we say, hey, you know, how can we educate and, and uh, teach our kids how to deal with these life lessons or how to learn these life lessons and then take them and and hopefully be better, you know, people in society uh, when the time comes for that. So it, it, it can be difficult sometimes because you do get the comment of, hey, well, you're a, a, a Christian school, you know, why do we care about winning? Well, why are we putting our players on the court then? Right. Like, you know, I, I jokingly say this, you know, with our coaches and it's like, you know, winning is not everything, but it's everything. Right. Like, and, and they all kind of look at me and like, wait, what'd you say? I'm like, yeah, you, you heard me right here. It's, it's winning is not everything, but it is everything within what, what we're trying to accomplish along with all of these other things as well.
0: Yeah. I, I'm just thinking back to when you were talking about, you know, seeing a coach shouting at an athlete or something like that, where I get, I get the whole idea of, of winning and winning the right way, but there's also that balance of coaching and coaching the right way too. And, and I I think there's more delicacy for, for you in the role that you have versus a a public school where, oh, well, that's just how we do it. That's normal. That's, that's
1: normal life. Well, and, and one of the major things is, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and have a coach interview for a position if it's not somebody that doesn't match what our school would hire as a regular employee, right? Um, with with us being a, a Christian institution, we have certain requirements that we need from our, our potential employees, and we match that within our athletic department. Um, so you do, you avoid the potential of Massive amounts of, of profanity being yelled at players like maybe would at a public school where they don't necessarily care about those things. Um, you know, you're going to get a a uh, devotional to a certain extent every week within a practice or prayer before a game. And, and that's just something that we do here as a Christian school. And and that's something that we see as important within our um, school, but also within our athletic department, every entity of our school as well. So a question
0: came through in the chat box. It's uh, John who says, what's the greatest piece of advice you've
1: received? Um, I feel like that's a, an interesting question because I, uh, you get so much advice doing this job, right? And you're asking so many questions. Um, but honestly, if I had to think of one thing, um, it was from coach John Jones, who's the athletic director at, at Trinity Baptist College here in Jacksonville and, and uh, worked for him for uh, an amount of years. Um, but honestly, the advice was never burn a bridge. And you never know when you're going to need that connection at another point. And the way that athletic world works, everybody knows everybody, or someone knows someone who knows you who can help you and and things like that. And so it's this never-ending, you know, web that is ran. And so, yeah, you might disagree with somebody, but never burn a bridge. And um, you know, it's hard not to do that sometimes when our emotions take over and and, and things like that. Um, and sometimes we just want to walk away, but it's important to make sure that we don't burn a bridge because you never know when you're going to need that person again or kind of comes full circle.
0: Mm. Uh, thinking then on advice for coaches, aside from that, looking at the coaches that you've worked with, you've overseen, um, who you've played for in this in this environment where coaches in many ways, are are venerated for being a coach, but at the same time denigrated for not having qualifications, uh, having to do a lot of work for little pay, etc. What advice would you give somebody who's maybe interested in becoming a better coach, moving up in the coaching world, or even becoming a coach?
1: Yeah, I I think something that's important to understand in that is, and no matter how old you are, right, like, a couple podcasts like I'm always like hey you know for the young coaches or for the young ADs and it's like we all need advice doesn't matter what our age is doesn't matter how if you've been doing it for 25 years and I've been doing it for 5 it doesn't matter we all can take the same piece of advice and learn something out of it and so I'll, two things always read uh I I did not grow up as a as a major reader I uh, just didn't enjoy it and um but as I've gotten older and as an adult um I have learned to uh, love reading if it helps better me as a a father and husband, as a a Christian uh, and as an an athletic director or a coach. And so those are the those are the styles of books that I want to read. How can I take something and directly apply it to my life? But reading. Reading something to make you better in what you're doing or as a person, and, and so on. And the second thing is is find somebody that has been in the business at least ten years longer than you have, uh, and ask them questions. Uh, those are two things there that that I was told probably back in 2014, 2015, just starting out was read and find somebody to be a mentor to, or, or or to to mentor you, and then hopefully in in time you can you can do the same thing. So those are two things that have stuck with me. Um, I've got many, many of those people that, you know, I'll call up and ask a question and things like that. And constantly reading, um, you know, and, and rereading stuff, you read one thing and you read it and you learn something from it. You go back and you reread it and you learn something completely new that you didn't see the first time. And that's something that always sticks with me. So let's, uh, just follow up question
0: book that every coach should read should be what
1: other than the ones I wrote. <laughs> other than the ones you wrote. There you go. Um, <laughs> man, uh, so Honestly, as a, as an athletic director, that's that's where I'm gonna uh, take that question yeah. to. Um, I love uh, the athletic director toolbox. Uh, in fact, I'm going to grab them um, and then the uh, athletic director's toolbox by Jake Von Sheer. He is down in South Florida. I know you have to know him because he was in the Tallahassee area there for a while. Uh, he's he's um, been
0: on my show. I've been on his. You might find exactly. me. Exactly. Books.
1: Yeah. Oh, So he's got two editions out and, you know, you, you look at it and you're like, Hey, what, you know, interesting, what is it? And basically it's, it's a hodgepodge of advice for athletic directors. So you're getting multiple different things here. And and, I mean, you see how easy I just pulled both of these off of my, my bookshelf. Right. Um, So they are accessible. Uh, Another one would be Scott Jarvis. He just came out with um, the uh, DNA of an athletic director. That's a big one that I've been, been, reading and, and going through and those are three that are on my shelf that float from my shelf to my backpack because uh, I, I might be looking for something or you know I want to really want to go back through and read that or whatever but those three are there and then I've got one more it's called warrior culture uh, again right here with those other ones very accessible to uh, uh on my shelf uh, but that's written by Josh Templeton he's up in the Chattanooga Tennessee area and uh, he is at Boyd Buchanan School but He wrote Warrior Culture, and basically what it does is he breaks down uh, warrior culture, right? And I I know that's you just repeat that there, but it's it's how can you take the most important warriors in history, and how can we use that within the high school athlete? How can we use it within the department, and how do we relate as a a student athlete to that warrior? Um, But those four books have been – I say monumental within the last, I would say at least four, four years for me. I know some of them have just come out, but um, those have been huge for me within uh, my last four, three to four years here. Last
0: question then, if somebody wants to reach out to you, has questions of their own, maybe they couldn't ask uh, live, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah. Um, pretty active on everything. Uh, but one of the main uh, places that you can get, get with me is, uh, is Twitter. And that is, uh, right there at the bottom there. Coach underscore ZTS. Uh, pretty active on there. Try to be pretty active, but try not to let it take a bunch of my time. I am a millennial, so I can get stuck in that social media uh, scrolling. But um, I will uh, reach out to you. Feel free to, to shoot me a message and give me a follow. Uh, love connecting and learning. And um, obviously with 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 my podcast, if it's something that uh, you guys can listen to and always have somebody maybe jump on and be a guest. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me and let me know.
0: That's right. The Winning Way podcast. Be sure to check that out on Spotify as well. Of course, our own FSU coach Spotify podcast. We have all of these interviews on there as well. So be sure to do that as well as like and subscribe. But on behalf of myself, Tim Baggers and Zach Shank, thanks so much for watching. Absolutely.